Welcome to episode 17 of the Ace of Spada podcast, hosted by your boy right here, Anthony Spada. Guys, today's guests are Sam Miller and Dr. Casey Orvitas, uh, otherwise known as Dr. Casey Joe on Instagram. Guys, today's episode was insane. We talk about self-acceptance and how you need to acknowledge that, um, getting stronger, how to shift your behaviors, uh, mindfulness, um, how fitness is more than just a physical goal, how it is a mental goal, and not lying to yourself, and how you progress in life. Guys, this is a really important episode. I also want to take a quick second to uh, say I do have a five- day free workout plan. It's in the link tree in my bio on my Instagram. All you got to do is fill out the form, send me your email, and I will personally email you the workout plan. And I got to shout out two companies real quick that support me and I support them. First is Fitletics. They're a clothing company out of Cleveland, Ohio, creating something really dope over there. You can use code SPADA for a a support code, so everything goes to help me, and I really do appreciate everybody who uses it. And next is Rev, Rev Up Nutrition. Guys, this is a supplement brand that has had my back. I have personal conversations with them all the time. They help me through some things, and they just want to see me succeed, and that's what I want to see them succeed as well. You can use code SPADA for 15% off on their website. Um, that link is also in my bio guys, their products, their pre-workouts with nootropics is insane. So I highly recommend using their products. So everybody let's welcome Sam Miller and Dr. Casey Joe. All right, welcome Sam and Casey on to the Ace of Spada podcast. I'm really excited to have you guys on. Um, it's been a while trying to get this booked on here, probably about <laughs> close to a month now that we were able to find a date. So couldn't be more excited to have you guys on. Um, if you guys were just going to give a quick introduction about yourselves, um, just like who you are, what you guys focus on, and such like that. Ladies first. <laughs> Okay. We were just arguing back and forth, like, you go, no, you go. Um, okay, well, I'm Casey, uh, I guess, Coach Casey Joe on Instagram, if you do follow me, if you found me that way. I think, Anthony, that's kind of where we connected first, at least. Yep. Um, I am a nutrition and fitness coach, as well as a, quote, unquote, like, mindset coach. I don't really like using that term, because it's kind of tossed around a lot. Um, I do have a PhD in psychology, where I studied mindsets for close to five years. Um, so I know a lot about mindsets, know a lot about health and fitness. And that's kind of um, where I do the most of my content creation and coaching and what I'm most passionate about. There you go. I am Sam. And for those of you who may follow me or may not follow me on Instagram, I'm Sam Miller Science. Also have a podcast called Sam Miller Science, making it easy for you in all the different places that you may find me. Uh, my background uh, kind of just went from a kid who didn't really understand how to properly transform his body and his life and then use that information slowly over time became, you know, certified as a trainer and as a nutrition coach. And I've been doing this for about 13 years or so now. And, uh, you know, now use that experience to coach and mentor other coaches through the various programs and mentorships that I have. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Casey, we did first touch on uh, Instagram and I followed Sam based on uh, Jason Phillips, found that, found Sam through Jason Phillips, which he's been such a great help for me lately and everybody else on like his side of the team with you guys and Aaron and Jordan and all them. So I'm excited to get into this. Um, today we're going to focus more on the, I guess, the perception of clients and getting into that. I'm new, so Sam has 13 years of experience. I have about four months of experience, so it'll and be a great one. Not all, not all 13 years of those were good, and hopefully the failures that I made during the first few years I can use to help people who only have four months of experience, so that's really the idea. Um, plus, you gotta remember a lot, long, um, 
stint during that time period, I was really only sort of side hustling as coaching or I knew I liked coaching or I knew I liked fitness, but I was like, this is my passion. Why am I like, why should this be my job? This is what I do for fun. Right. So, you know, there, it wasn't necessarily the same as right now where it's committed my full-time thing that I do all the time. You know, there's certainly been a lot of years that have been like that, but you know, for anyone who's newer and listening, I just wouldn't want you to be discouraged. You know, you can be, um, you know, very early in your career, but if you learn from the right people and you learn from their mistakes, you can really leverage that into sort of accelerating your own progress as an individual and, you know, having a growth mindset like he's, so. there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first thing I took away from you guys, at least from listening to the podcast with you both on it is how powerful changing your thoughts can be. Mm-hmm. And how you perceive a certain situation. And it discusses like, how would one deal with situation where they look for in a positive or a negative? And like, how do you deal with that with a client in the sense that, how do you make them gain more of a positive experience instead of that negative or fixed mindset? Okay. Um, so I think that, that it's interesting, right, that we tend to put growth mindsets and fixed mindsets into like fixed is bad and growth is good. Um, and to like some degree, having a fixed mindset is not the best route, obviously, but also don't want to like neglect the fact that a lot of us start with a fixed mindset in a variety of areas, different domains in our life, whether that's health, fitness, um, professionally, with our relationships, etc. So definitely starting just with like acceptance is a really big step and just like understanding where you're at right now. Um, and doesn't necessarily mean that you can't continue on in the future, right? So starting with acceptance is kind of what as far as like positive outlook versus like negative outlooks on life or thoughts um, or mindset, however you really want to frame that, I think acceptance is the first step. So acknowledging where you're at now, um, acknowledging negative thoughts that you have um, and not really lying to yourself. Um, I think what we like to do is get into the point that um, when we have these negative thoughts or something that we don't think that we're going to continue to progress or we're going to run into obstacles that will get in the way and set us back. Um, we start to kind of lie to ourselves in the fact that we can't continue on because of X, Y, Z, or we tell our, tell ourselves all these things that we cannot continue on when in reality, if we just like took a step back and said, okay, like, what is the evidence for my thoughts? What is the evidence against my thoughts? And really start to create just a more accurate depiction of what is going on. Um, and definitely like including the fact that things could go wrong, right? Like it's silly to expect that things are always going to be perfect. Everything is going to go great. You're never going to run into obstacles. Like instead of being like, no, it absolutely could happen. I could absolutely fail. And just accepting that and using that is like kind of a step one. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think I've definitely learned that over the past uh, few months with trying to start my business is that I am accepting failures completely. And I think I did that in school. And that's how we first started. I think, Casey, when you made a post about how you were the black sheep in school mm-hmm. yes. and going through college like that. And I've more shifted my mindset to where I'm OK with that. And mm-hmm. Discuss that shift when you were in school, because I kind of want to get more just into that part of that shift where Mm -hmm. you went and you just fully accepted that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it's I mean, it's not fun to be the black sheep. Absolutely not. Yeah, Um, it's not fun. Like I would come home after I worked at a steakhouse in college and I would come home at like 11 p.m. on like a Friday and all my friends were like gearing up, taking shots in the kitchen, like ready to go out. And I like to just kind of crawl up to my room and be like, that's not really what I want to do. Kind of just want to get a good night's rest and get up and go to the gym in the morning. Um, So it's not fun to feel like kind of alienated in that way. But I was really getting to a point where I realized how much much better I felt, how much more confidence I had in other aspects of my life. Um, I was getting stronger in the gym, which led to strength in other areas of my life. Um, and I think that that was the true like driver. And I know, um, we talked a little bit before we got started here on intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and those feelings of like strength, confidence, um, and just like the ability to like continue to progress that I wouldn't have seen if I was just like drinking my life away <laughs> every weekend. Yeah. Um, that was like the true intrinsic motivation to kind of like go against the black sheep feels, but still accept the black sheep life, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, I work at a bar, so I'm just surrounded by <laughs> people that do go out. And it's yeah. just a different situation when you're the one working it and not actually doing what other people are doing, which is pretty different. But right. it's got to be done, I think. It's just like that's when I fully accepted it is that when I started working, um, I just got so busy with life that my gym started to take priority. Like you mm-hmm. said, like you started getting stronger in the gym. That's exactly what happened with me. Mm-hmm. Like I started getting stronger. I started getting more confident. And it was it was actually fun to be the black sheep. Like you said, it's sometimes bad, but there was a moment where it started to change to being kind of fun. Yeah. Well, you where, also like, you know that you're doing something more for yourself, right? So it's yeah. almost not necessarily like an elitist feeling, but it's like, I know that what I'm doing is like the right thing for me and it's what makes me feel good. So it's kind of just like putting yourself before those like black sheep feelings yeah sam do you have any thoughts about how like you change um like people's perceptions like what's your strategy for like doing that i know hers is acceptance and you guys work together with like coaching compass and i know that probably helps with other coaches is acceptance and accepting that failure so how do you go about changing someone who wants to change their body like the mindset of maybe pertaining to like food or going out to eat like how do you change one's mindset when it comes to that i think a lot of it just starts with learning about past experiences Mm -hmm. and that our current reality is really shaped by habitual decisions that we've made over and over and over again so we have choice and the one parallel between our present life right now and what we did in the past is that we had the you know the ability to choose what we were doing and while we can't necessarily control every single outcome we can't control our choices so i think giving people the power back in the sense that by simply examining your past habits, past decisions, and where you sort of placed, um, where you sort of rank order prioritize things in your life, you know, when Casey mentioned that phase, or you mentioned that phase of your life, where there's a bit of friction is that you have this shift in prioritization of where you're placing your energy and effort relative to where your friends are placing their energy and effort. And so with that, we're seeing a lot of positive change because you're, placing time, energy, um, and effort into something that you're going to get a really good return on investment. And so with clients, oftentimes what, you know, I'm trying to do is get them to understand, well, you're in this place that you're not super content with, or you maybe don't fully enjoy, but you know, where you are is it's kind of your fault a little bit. And, but the, the good news is that it is your fault a little bit and that you can take control over that and then begin to shift your behavior. And so obviously I'm not on the phone being like, Hey, it's your fault. You have 10 pounds of fat to lose. It's more getting on the phone and saying, Hey, like, you know, what is, what does a day look like for you right now? Uh, what are your choices look like? What are some habits that you think maybe we need to change? And it's really more of a conversation around seeing if they can identify any patterns and I'm going to share some pattern identification with them. And that just really opens up a conversation. I don't think there's one particular way, um, to sort of have that influence. I think it really starts by asking questions and then, you know, depending on the client and the individual case, you're going to get a feel for um, how they feel about the topic, how they feel about change and how they feel that their past decisions or choices contributed to their current reality of what they're experiencing. Yeah. And something interesting about that too um, is when Sam was mentioning like, oh, I'm not going to get on the phone and tell them that it's their fault. Um, It's an interesting piece of like trying to move someone towards a growth mindset, right? Is that there's this like double-edged sword effect with growth mindsets that as soon as you start encouraging someone that they can change and they can make this massive progress in their life and they're not stuck where they're at, then they also, that also opens up like, okay, well then that means you're responsible for where you got to now. And that can like unleash this whole like feeling of shame and like guilt because like, oh, if I have the ability to change and change my future, that means that where I'm at now is also my fault. So it's kind of trying to mitigate the damage of that like shame that comes along with the growth mindset that is also super, super important. But that they do yeah, have the I think ability to change those things at any time, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, as we, you mentioned um, kind of the way that I framed things earlier, that model for that, I think part of it is just getting people to understand that they're very basic practices or things that we do every single day, sometimes without realizing that are contributing to our current state of progress or lack thereof. And just by becoming aware of those things, Mm -hmm. that first step is really awareness. You can have a conversation around the level of awareness and then make like an action plan to begin to shift that awareness into actual behaviors that can then drive results um, 
you know, whether you're working with a coach or whether you're just trying to do something on your own, it really, a lot of it starts with Mm -hmm. self-awareness and realization and acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think the first few weeks I worked with my first client, I think this is something that we really just focused on. And I think that's the main thing that a lot of coaches don't focus on in the beginning is like their behavior. I think it's a lot of things that's overlooked in the industry is they aren't pointing towards just the, as you say in your, the end of the P3 frame is uh, physiological change. Like that's what a lot of coaches just focus on the whole time, but it's more just shifting behavior can lead to more success. And I did it with my first client where I literally just told her to just maybe like get in protein every day, make sure she was doing things that were correct, starting to develop those habits that were correct in order to change her mindset, to gain that confidence. And she was just fully accepting that. And like you said, I think that's the big part about it is acceptance for the client is that needs to happen though within the first few weeks. Cause I think after that, that's when the relationship more towards, I think a coach, more towards just physical change rather than also the mental change, if you know what I'm saying. Right. And so what the P3 model tries to encompass is that most people who are clients will come to you with a physical goal. And so what I think you were referencing earlier is that most coaches focus on the physical. I would argue that they don't necessarily focus on the physiological. It's more just the physical goal, like this person wants bigger biceps or this person wants abs or they want to squat 300 pounds whatever their goal is related to something physical. It could be performance, it could be aesthetics, it could be how long they want to live or improving, you know, something of that nature. Now, working backwards, physiology is actually like internal health, biochemistry, things that are going on, um, any sort of diseases that have developed, adaptations. It's really like physiology and metabolism are very interrelated as a nutrition coach. And then dialing it back to what we were discussing earlier, the best way to control your progress towards a physical goal or to actually, because physiology can be really, really overwhelming. So the reason I wanted to sort of empower people with this is that you have a level of control over your physiology, which means if you can influence that, you can reach a physical goal that you have. And so sometimes when we're talking about really any case, it can be really daunting. And so bringing it back to a basic habit or a basic practice in your day-to-day life and bringing it to that self-awareness around that, which is perception, that's really how all of that integrates. But I just wanted to quickly touch on that for your audience that it's more so, I think Instagram focuses a lot on like, track your macros, go to the gym and physical goal, you're gonna get, you're gonna look like a cover model when really it like misses those three other parts, which is why I tried to lay it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause going back to my client, like she lost maybe like her goal was to lose maybe 10 pounds. So far she's lost like six, but she's never Good. felt, be- but she's never felt better though in the gym mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. in life. Like she's getting compliments from people saying she's never looked as good. And I'm like, yeah, well that's cause you changed how you perceive yourself. Like she, it was really kind of mind blowing when I saw like her transformation, like when, like one day it just hit her and she was like, yeah, I got this compliment in the gym and then it just sparked everything and she started to lose even more weight and it kind of just started changing everything in her perspective and how confident she was. And I think it's important for coaches to develop that confidence too in the client, because that's the one thing where if their mindset's right, like we're talking about, that's when they start to see the success. In my opinion. I think that's interesting. And Casey could probably talk about that too, is for folks who are hard on themselves, maybe, you know, how changing your habits and just by basically that commitment to yourself and following through on that commitment, Mm -hmm. keeping those promises to yourself can really make you feel better or more attractive or more Mm -hmm. confident. And it's not necessarily because you lost 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. It's because you kept that commitment to yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think like to some degree, right, of course, it feels good to get compliments from other people and for other people to realize that you're making these changes in your body. And yes, that can serve as motivation. But that is kind of going back to that intrinsic versus extrinsic. That's truly an extrinsic motivator. Hearing from other people that you're looking so great. So it's like, oh, I'm like accepted by others. Like that's 
an extrinsic factor. That's going to help you in the short term for sure. That's going to keep her going for the next like four weeks, right? But the confidence that you're talking about, how she feels about herself, how she feels in other aspects of her life, how she's feeling in the gym, how her relationship with exercise, with food, all of that, that's the intrinsic factors that are going to keep her going for years in advance now. Yeah. So how, how does one develop more, I guess, intrinsic motivation? Like, how do you, how do you get that out of somebody? Like, I don't know how hard it is to figure this question Mm -hmm. out. Like how hard is it to get it out of like a client to Mm -hmm. get them to believe in themselves? Right. So it's, pretty difficult, if not impossible, to change extrinsic motivators into intrinsic motivators. Like you're not going to take like the compliment from someone else and make that more intrinsic. It really needs to come from you, right? And this is what just comes back to like your basic why. Why are you doing this? Why, what makes you like motivated to do this? Why are you doing, going into the gym? Like, why are you after work, like going upstairs to your bedroom and hanging out by yourself? Um, Like, what are those reasons? And that's like those intrinsic motivators. So it's not necessarily like changing your motivation into intrinsic. It's just a matter of kind of finding it. Um, And that's more of just like introspective work, um, trying to figure out how to make things potentially more enjoyable for you. If it's just a matter of enjoying exercise or healthy eating more, try different recipes recipes, excuse me, um, try different forms of exercise. Like if you need to do more cardio and you freaking hate running, stop running and try something else. Um, find something that is going to be like super, like just give you more passion in what you're doing. Right. And that passion is what will drive that intrinsic motivation. And so do you do that through, I guess the second P, which would be practice. So something more (laughs) like meditation or, journaling like do you see aspects of that that come into play because that's where i found my why is through meditation and journaling like that's the Mm -hmm. biggest one biggest two things that have come into my life which have just caused complete shifts in my mindset that's awesome Mm -hmm. so how do you guys implement more like meditation and journaling even into your own lives and how that led to like growth yourselves i think it's important to first Hey guys, I want to interrupt this podcast real quick to let you know about a special offer I have. It's a free five-day workout program that I personally built to make gains in the gym. Guys, all you got to do is go to my bio on Instagram, click the link. There's a link for a free five-day workout program. Fill out the form, send me your email, and I will personally email you the new program that you can implement right away. Guys, it's a great split that's going to cause many gains. All right. So definitely go do that if you're interested. And everybody, let's get back to the podcast. First note that like not everyone's going to have revelations from meditation or from journaling, right? Like I think journaling and things like meditation and stuff is like super popular right now. And like as it should be, we have a lot of great research to show that it's very helpful for anxiety reduction, stress reduction, depression. Um, Sometimes mindfulness is better than medication for depression. Um, So we have that research and there's definitely a reason to be excited about it. But I think I always just worry that people will take this and say, okay, well, meditation is really not doing it for me. Like that's not really, I'm not really finding enjoyment in it. I'm not getting like these enlightened, like enlightened phases like you did, Anthony. Um, And then they just kind of like give up on stuff. I think the biggest one. So this is more or less like a fixed mindset about the, topic as far as like so i think the biggest one i think goes, the biggest right? one too and sam you can probably touch like, on this is sleep just works the best I think that's for the biggest you one. and allows you to kind of get into that like getting seven to nine moment. hours of sleep um, for can sure have a huge like writing effect is on how much someone's more helpful not only body reacts but how their brain reacts and how they take on a day on day by day basis like when i notice when i get five hours of sleep and then when i get eight hours of sleep I know exactly. I yeah, feel twenty so, percent different, go ahead, go and ahead. it's no, just I, like I don't wanna, if you want to go into how like sleep affects the body and like how maybe practicing getting into routine with sleep and getting those seven to nine hours can really cause change. Yeah. 
Yeah. So some of the biggest changes we see with sleep are, you know, changes in cognition. Obviously people can feel brain fog and things like that, but from a physiological perspective or our hormones and how it impacts our nutrition and training is usually we'll see changes in insulin sensitivity, which is basically how well we tolerate carbohydrates or a certain caloric load. Um, and also things like testosterone levels can change. So men who are deprived of sleep or, you know, even just get five hours a night for five days in a row, we'll see a pretty significant statistical change in uh, those hormone levels, kind of depending on the study that you look at. But either way, it's a transient change and it's not in the direction that you would want it to be. It's, you know, those negative changes or negative adaptations. So when you're missing out on sleep, um, you know, I think that's something that can be, you know, of crucial importance when it comes to making a physique transformation. But as far as setting up getting more sleep, I think people forget sort of the practicality of they know more is better, but it's like, how do I actually do it? And I try to get people to start with something super basic. So even when I used to do more um, corporate presentations and, you know, just various uh, more leadership stuff, I would say, you know, who would want to get, you know, basically getting an extra 15 minutes of sleep when you go to bed and an extra 15 minutes of sleep in the morning is the equivalent of about eight days of extra sleep across the year. And so when you kind of pull the audience, it's like, that's basically like eight days of vacation or eight days of being in a coma or completely out of it. And it starts with just 15 minutes at the bookends of your day. And now you could do 30 at night or 30 in the morning, really whatever's feasible for you, but starting with a super manageable amount. And I think people also place too much emphasis on just the wind down routine portion and not enough of what they're actually doing during the day. So moving during the day, getting natural lighting, going for a walk, you know, sun exposure, fresh air, um, the types of tasks and, and cognitive things that you're doing throughout the day, I think play a much larger role. You'll see a lot of people who are like, Oh, wear blue light blocking glasses or, um, you know, have this nighttime routine, but they don't actually take into account, well, did the person wake up roughly near sunrise? Did they get outside at all? Did they exercise? You know, exercise can improve sleep patterns and behaviors. There, you know, this is one area where nutrient timing, some people are way more sensitive to when they're consuming their calories than others. I don't think there's necessarily like a best diet for everyone, but some people do really well with like a small snack before bed. Other people, if they eat before bed, it completely jacks up their digestion and also they're not having a restful sleep. Um, and a lot of people fall on this side, but then depending on yeah, you know, their kind of physiological status. You may want to adjust that. I ask this on my so check-in sheet. When it comes to I always ask how much they get more per day. I try to make sure they write how much they're getting. Simple, which is just like where um, can we fit fifteen minutes at least here? Somewhat, give me an estimate here, so I know. Realizing that it's making a really then I look into what you said where I find fifteen minutes per day where I find fifteen minutes somewhere where they're able to get it back. You know, teaching them a little bit more about I want to get your so important and what is that doing? Kind of like you on a day-to-day basis coaches like need to look at biofeedback. I think that's a big one that, like we said, a lot of coaches aren't looking at. They aren't looking at hormones. Um, a lot of the best coaches seem to be looking at blood work now. Um, that's a big one. It's kind of an expensive kind of turn, but it seems like some of the coaches I follow, especially in the bodybuilding industry, though, at least look at blood work, but that could be for a different reason. But I just want to get your view on why coaches should now be taking in stress levels, um, how they sleep, how well they trained, um, how they feel throughout the day, how's their energy, uh, go into more of why that's more important. So the simple way to remember this is, you know, I actually have an acronym called SHREDS. So it's uh, your sleep, your hunger, your recovery, energy, digestion, and stress management. So all of these combined can be used in biofeedback. I think labs are great, but the problem is a lot of coaches don't know how to actually accurately interpret labs and then teach their clients what it actually means. So then it turns into this more dangerous and expensive thing that needs to be uh, knowing kind of the low-hanging fruit of what they actually need to order. Uh, certain things that are a better investment than others. 
And also you mentioned the bodybuilding industry. And I think, you know, it goes without saying that in bodybuilding, sometimes there's a use of performance enhancing substances, which makes blood work kind of a prerequisite because it's for overall health, but also they're monitoring levels of exogenous compounds and substances. So that's why you'll see a lot of bodybuilding coaches using that. Now with natural bodybuilding, it's still important because in any type of caloric deficit, you're going to have some transient hormonal changes in terms of, um, you know, things like thyroid hormone, testosterone levels, those will change during a diet. So the reason that biofeedback comes into play is it's basically like if your body gave you lab results every time you checked in with your coach or every single day, you know, the job of our hypothalamus and pituitary, which are kind of, it's kind of like the captain of the sports team. It's what's dictating, you know, the ebb and flow of our hormones in our body because hormones are really just messengers. So our job as someone being responsible for our own transformation and our interaction with, a, with our coach is to understand that these messengers have a specific job, but based on what they're doing and what message they're sending, we can interpret that message and tell our coach. So if I feel tired, if I feel hungry, if I'm fatigued, um, if my hair is thinning or my skin you know, conditions are changing, this is all type of biological feedback from our body that's just happening organically every single day. And a great way to you know approach that and see what's going on with your metabolism is just to tell your coach. I think the problem is a lot of people aren't, this comes back to what Casey was discussing earlier, is self-awareness is a lot of people aren't self-aware in tune with their body enough to notice performance changes, notice sleep changes, hunger changes, um, you know, changes in skin, hair, whatever. And it can, you can get as specific as things like body temperature and really start to yeah. get a better idea and of what's going on. I think on, you brought up uh, one point right there with the scale. But I would I think say, that's a huge you know, if you're a coach out there and you don't understand labs or you don't know how to read labs, who come to me, don't ask who come for labs to me for advice because we're just trying to support like, them. And get yeah, more the scale isn't moving. I'm like, the scale isn't always the determining factor of whether or not, um, yes, you know, it's signs down whether you are losing or gaining weight, measurements, but it's not the scale, be all using for their your compliance physique. with their nutrition I think and training, the biggest their thing PRs, is gym performance, how, you look. how they're feeling outside so, the gym. And then you guys all the do like visual changes. I don't know if you get, like, when you do check-ins, you guys look at more more emphasis on how they look visually rather than, and then just using the scale as a data point to see where to make changes in the person's uh, check-in or diet and such? So um, with my clients, I spend a lot of time talking about like how the scale is not necessarily the end all be all, just like you're saying. Absolutely. Um, but obviously, when I'm coaching from afar remotely, that's kind of it's still a good way and an indicator to kind of see what's going on. Right. If you have. 50 pounds of weight to lose, we're still going to look at the scale and hope that it does go down over time. Um, however, I do have a lot of, especially female clients come to me who have been either like under eating or just not on the right track as far as training and nutrition goes. Um, and they might notice that the scale doesn't change a whole lot over the course of maybe many months, um, whether that's up a little bit, down a little bit, or kind of just staying the same. But that's where pictures and measurements really, really come in handy. And also they might start to say like, oh, I think my clothes are fitting differently. Oh, I'm getting compliments at the gym, but like the scales and still, like, it's still not moving. It's still not doing anything. And I'm like, okay, like, let's calm down for a second. Um, and that's where, so yeah. monthly I look at um, progress photos with my clients. Um, I know some coaches do like week to week basis. And then there's obviously some coaches that don't look at photos at all. Um, but I think that that's what can be like super, super powerful, especially when the scale isn't showing a lot. Um, and if you do have a client who maybe hasn't been an, on a structured strength training program before, hasn't really monitored their nutrition before, there's a good chance the scale isn't going to move a whole ton right away, but their body composition will change. And they're kind of in, I'm sure most people are familiar with like newbie gains. Um, so at the beginning, um, when you're new to this stuff and it's like, oh, this is a new <laughs> stimulus to your body, you have a yeah, much those better are, chance those of like great for the first like six months. 
once the same I time. started working out. And that's when you're not going to really see it. After that, it's like the, scale, the worst thing in the world. That's exactly what I want with my client. Like I said, she lost six pounds. It took her a few weeks to really move the scale, per se. But she looked 100% different. Like she had, like you could totally see she was getting slimmer. She was losing. I was like, it might just be water weight right now, but you're totally doing, you're on the right track. I was like, be patient. I was like, for one weekend, you're not going to see too much. And... Right. Mm-hmm. thing I like to touch on with clients who do get more impatient, which makes sense, right? Like they signed up with you. They want to start to see progress. Just reminding them like how long it actually yeah, took them no, to that, get to where they are really now. Can. So um, let's say you're like so many pounds overweight or you were like super out of shape. Like how long did it take you to get week. to that point where and you decided to reach out to coaching, really wanted to change things? Like probably a long time, right? Like I'll have clients who say like, oh, well, when I got married 10 years ago, I was X amount of weight. Now I'm this amount of weight and I know I can get back to it. It's like, okay, but so now it's been two months and you're comparing that to 10 years that it took you to get there. So like pump the brakes a little bit. And I think that perspective can help a lot too. Yeah, so with my clients, we actually work on setting goals that aren't necessarily just related to like your macros and your training um, and that sort of thing too. So we are really focused on holistic health uh, with my clients at least. Um, so what I actually have my clients do is I set have them set some small, very small goal within their life every single week. It can be related to nutrition if they wanted to or training. Um, but for the most part, it ends up being like, I want to work on communication with my husband or I want to, like you were mentioning, before meditate three times a week or make sure I'm journaling 15 minutes a day um, stuff like that is super super important as well so I don't necessarily always encourage just like more goals all the time I think we get very obsessed with goals in general in the health and fitness culture um, it's like write down your goal put it everywhere make get your phone screen backgrounds put it on a sticky note on your mirror so you see it every day but in reality, what we really, I think we should be paying more attention to is the process and falling in love with that aspect, right? Not necessarily always like, okay, here's my 50 pound weight goal, or I want to hit like 305 on squats or whatever, but actually like enjoying the process and setting smaller goals around the way, along the way. And not necessarily even goals, right? Like these are just like, oh, I need to get to the gym and do this, or I need to set or uh, set up my meal prepping like this. Um kind of situation and then again pulling back on the intrinsic motivation like finding yeah. things within that that you truly enjoy doing and actually brings you that joy that's what will keep you going um and there's a small piece of research within this too that looks at sub goals and that's kind of this aspect of setting those like smaller little pieces along the way and as you get closer to that long-term outcome that's when you should really start to focus on it, right? So if you have 50 pounds to lose, focusing on that 50 pounds every single day is going to drive you insane. No, no, that's good. <laughs> that no, might um, why you end up throwing I do the have towel, right? something so that's focusing kind on, of like, on my mind because I, I haven't dealt with it yet, but I always wanted to know from the day, people who have coached a lot of people is how do you deal with a client that actually doesn't completely follow or is not completely honest with protocol. Like when you, like if you guys both have situations where someone may deviate from it because they don't want to listen, even though they are paying for your coaching. Yeah, sorry, that kind of turned into a tangent. Yeah.
Yeah, it's always the tough part, right, with client adherence. It's like, well, you're paying me money, so why don't you listen? Um, and also it's tough coming from coaches' perspectives, right, because we love this shit. Like, that's this, That's why we're in this, like, field. It's because we absolutely adore the gym. We love to eat healthy. We know what it does for us. We just pursue those goals all the time because we absolutely love it. You have to keep in mind that the person who's coming to you because they want to lose those 50 pounds or because they just want to like clean up their habits, their everyday life, their mindset, etc. They aren't you, right? So that's kind of like the first step, I think, in coming around and changing your own perspective as a coach um, is just understanding like they don't love this shit like you love this shit. Um, so trying to kind of first get to them like, okay, so why are they paying you, right? Like ask them. I think something that we forget a lot of the times is that we can ask questions. And as coaches, we should be asking questions more often than we're actually prescribing or telling people what to do. So ask them like, why did you sign up with me? Why do you want to be doing these things? Like, how would your life be different if you did hit your macros every week? Or uh, what does your what does your future person yourself look like a year down the line if you were to start like being a little bit more on top of going to the gym? And, so you're more um, looking at the visualization part. Like, what does that like look like? And then also like, like contrast it with okay, okay, if you don't change anything and things just keep going this way from week to week, and I know you're frustrated, but what does that look like in three months from now? if nothing changes, right? So really starting to get them in a place where it's these open-ended questions, right? Where they have to answer you and come up with like these scenarios and almost like solutions themselves without you having to prescribe it to them. That's kind of like a true like basis of behavior change. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So because they're so stuck on just like not wanting to do things right now. Um, and we also can get really stuck on like, oh, I'm never going to be this person in the future. Oh, I have all these habits in the past that I'm never going to get over. And this is a lot of fixed mindset stuff. Right. So bringing the client back to the present and what they're doing now and how that is actually kind of not making a change. How yeah. is that going Sam, to turn out for any- them? In the do you do future. the same way? So just having them get into that headspace of like, okay, like not great, right? Um, but if you were to make this change, like how, how do you think you're going to start to feel? So they just start to almost convince themselves that they need yeah. and want to make the change without you being like on their ass all the time, being the drill sergeant type of coach and just like, oh, you didn't hit your macros this week. Oh, you didn't hit your macros this week. Oh, you should try harder, put in more effort kind of thing. Um, like really helping them get to the place of like, why aren't they though, right? Uh, so uh, there's a couple things to consider, you know, when, when reviewing kind of the week, I think you, the original question was about weekly goals, correct? So it's definitely going to depend on your client type. So I tend to have a lot of people who are kind of like your uh, standard overachiever and tend to bite off a lot and they probably have a lot of different goals. So I think where I serve as sort of a mirror for them is just establishing a main focus and using words like focus, prioritization, um, action items, things that they need to do for the week versus just saying that like they have a million goals. Because the truth is, if you're trying to, you know, put all your energy into all these different things, your chances of accomplishing any one thing probably decreases. So it's kind of like, what's your one thing for this week? But I think a lot of, you know, our conversations and success when it comes to achieving goals in a client transformation can really, you know, originate with kind of your initial touch point, initial phone call and take form and onboarding process. So I'm always very mindful to sort of future pace beyond the scope of the current relationship and say, Hey, like if we were to work together as coach and client, you know, what might that, what, what should that look like six months from now? What are you looking to accomplish? And I will generally also sort of try to uncover or connect on the pain that's currently being experienced. So, you know, a year from now, if, nothing like what would your life look like a year from now if nothing changes and it gets them to sort of understand the current state of being and once again as we talked about earlier in the podcast really brings it back to self-awareness and so i feel that oftentimes our job as coaches is really just to um 
get clients to sort of state what they're needing and what they're wanting and not necessarily being the one setting the goals. I can't tell you the last time I actually set a goal for a client. More often than not, um, I'm saying, hey, like I'd like you to place some attention on this based on your goal of X or, um, hey, it seems like our focus is kind of scattered. You know, what can we prioritize on that's going to like move the needle the most this week? And that's going to vary, right? Because if you're working with someone who's in a bodybuilding contest prep or physique competition, they need to have a lot of things dialed in and they need to be focused on a lot of different things and moving towards one big goal of winning a competition. Um, and then as Casey mentioned, kind of breaking that prep down into different sub goals, uh, might be a good idea. Now, if I'm working with like a vice president, executive client at a major company, my job as, you know, nutrition coach and, my training program design might actually be more like how do I pull stress off their body and how do I get them to restore um, prioritization and balance and focus and de devoting energy to other areas of their life. So it really is context dependent, but I would say overall as a theme, I very rarely am like setting a set goal. I might say, Hey, like what's something we can focus on this week or what's your one thing that's going to move us forward. Um, right. well, and then you know, what's something you tried I think last lastly, week that I think was really successful that, that we need to duplicate this week. So basing it off of when their first current out to her was building uh, self-efficacy. If they deviate from uh, that, I think thinking that's a about, huge one, okay, especially well, in clients. You said uh, X is where you want to be a year from now for me or you want to get this client was a nurse six months from now. Is a nursing student. So she knows like scheduling and like she knows how to make good choices. The example I gave Casey back then was to understand the topic was thinking about it in my head as coach. goes out to eat unexpectedly but chooses the right food. And I think clients are always going to run into situations or people are always going to run into situations where not everything works in their favor, where they can't control the situation. And how do you try and build that decision-making for the client and building that self-efficacy within the client? some of my own research here. <laughs> um, so some of the work that I did in my PhD on mindsets and health and fitness are revolved around the fact that self-efficacy is indeed important. Along with self-efficacy, we have things like value that's also important. We kind of talked about that with intrinsic motivation. Um, so what's interesting about growth mindsets and how it helps with your health and your fitness goals is that it actually works through self-efficacy. So as you have a have more of a growth mindset towards specific things, whether that is um, believing that you can change your ability just to become a more fit person or your ability to change your body size, your body weight, things like that. Um, as you do that, you build self-efficacy and that self-efficacy is what in turn actually leads to the goal achievement. So it's not, what's interesting is that it's not the direct relationship between a growth mindset and the achievement, but it actually works through things like self-efficacy and value as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of other, what they're, they're called mediators in, um, the research world. I'm sure there's a lot of other mediators as well, uh, but those are the two that we kind of see again, time and time again in the mindset literature and what I've seen in my research myself. So um, as far as building self-advocacy, this works in this way too, right? You build a growth mindset. If you have a stronger growth mindset, then you'll have stronger self-advocacy, which will in turn help you achieve your goals. Um, so it all kind of ties back to how do we build that growth mindset, right? Um, and I think a lot of that is just like what we've been talking about this entire time is like looking inward, whether that is through journaling, whether that's through meditation, figuring out your why, figuring out what your life would look like if you don't make the change that you want to change and um, how it will look better if you do things like that. And then really understanding like 
it can be helpful to talk to other people who have made the change, right? To see it for yourself, that it has happened and that you can do it. And also like relying on past successes too. Like you've probably done something in the past. Like a lot of times people are coming to me like, oh, like in the past I lost 10 pounds or I was really in shape then. It's like, okay, well, if you were then, then why the hell came to do it again? You know? Um, So a lot of the times it's just like looking at where you were successful before and there's like absolutely no reason you can't do it again. Um, I even have clients, I've had people... Um, leave me for a while for a variety of reasons, whether they're getting married, they're getting deployed, et cetera, um, and then come back and work with me again in like a year or so. And they have trouble hitting their macros right away. And then it's like, okay, but what's what's going on here? Because obviously you were yeah. a great I think I did that with my, with my client. I'll do well another before. example real like, quick. What were you doing her, then um, that you aren't doing now? And I when they do her, start to do something correctly, then you can ask it. them, like, like make sure you're on top of it as a coach. Like, what did you do? It's really all you. What did you do that allowed this to happen, Okay, who, like you had a great you're the one who stuck your to your goal. goal. You did that like and five out of seven times. That like really this changed week. her too. She what did you like, do to get there? No, you so, like, deserve really everything. You deserve all this. And I was like, technically, that's really helpful like, um, as far as building a growth I'm mindset. Goals, and then also, <laughs> obviously, journey. helping yourself out to see. Yeah. Um, so, we're heading to the end. Um, I just had to be somewhere. So, I'll edit that part out. But I will. We have the. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm a busy man. Um, but I end the same with three, with the same three questions, Mm -hmm. every single podcast. Um, so number one is, Mm -hmm. uh, what three things do you think everybody should leave with if they were to summarize this all up real quick? Right. You do the work, right? Mm -hmm. Mm, There you go. That's perfect. Uh, you can, I, you can do both or you can, uh, agree on three things. (laughs) That's like I don't agree. Popular guy. Popular guy. <laughs> okay. Between the two. So do we each get a three things or we have to agree on three things? <laughs> Six things. I like we normally agree. <laughs> okay. don't, don't really rise <laughs> no i think a big um you know so to summarize i think what was referenced a couple times just to make sure everyone's really clear on the model and framework that we're sort of using here is just that whether it's on instagram or you read women's health or shape magazine or mm-hmm. men's fitness uh it's just the idea that A lot of people in the fitness industry have physical goals. Those are going to be preceded by your physiology. And the most practical way to accomplish those things is by being really mindful of daily practices and things that you do and perceptions, which is kind of the way that you think about things and the way you experience life. Uh, One thing that we did miss, but I want everyone to take away from this episode is perceptions can also include your relationship with food your relationship with exercise and your relationship with others as you're moving through your transformation journey. Um, So now moving to those three key points, I think one thing that Casey and I would definitely agree on that we noted several times in the beginning of the podcast is self-awareness. I think self-awareness plays a really important role both in coaching and in your own transformation. Do you want to do the second one? Um, Sure. So beyond self-awareness, I think another big thing that we touched on here is that health isn't necessarily just body weight. It's not necessarily just like going to the gym. It's not necessarily what you're eating. Um, but I take, and so does Sam take right. a very holistic approach to health. So question we are I looking at things like stress, it, like sleep, uh, both of you like your relationships. Uh, um, all of this comes together to end or podcast really that you guys recommend overall picture everybody of either your read or listen to that is not as coaches <laughs> and just as humans with ourselves too we don't spend enough time like really checking in with our total health we spend a lot of time be like Welcome well to health the and hormone fitness blueprint. means going to the gym and eating healthy there's a lot more to it right so i think that that's another really big main takeaway Um, I don't know how to say my own. Well, you can say mine because it's not <laughs> Yeah, listen, listen to Sam Miller's lines. I heard it's really good. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Um, 
one book that I would say is really, really good is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, she's actually very good friends with my PhD advisor. Um, and a lot of the research that she talks on in that book, it mirrors the research that I did in my PhD as well. Um, I've also had a handful of people say they've read it and it's quite literally like changed their life and their outlook. Um, so it's not just like a super research heavy, psychology heavy book. It's actually really great for like the lay person. I'm pretty sure it's been on like the New York Times bestselling list for a while. So that's a big book. And I think will tie back into a lot of the stuff that we talked about on this episode. Yeah, as far as books, I feel like a lot of like personal development stuff gets kind of thrown around, but sometimes it's like more isn't always the answer. So maybe just buying an empty book with some empty pages and writing in it. Um, I know that's kind of an unconventional answer. I'm just trying to think of something that's not because it a lot of people listen to podcasts and they're like, I need to get these three books. And I need to do this thing. And I need to add this, add this, add this, add this. And it becomes really overwhelming to maintain like your current level of habits plus strive for all these other things you're trying to do. And sometimes, you know, being able to write things down, prioritize, make up goals. A lot of things that Casey talked about, um, creating self-awareness involves tracking. And so having something that's kind of empty, um, can, can be super helpful. Uh, as far as like daily routines, I'll give a plug to my friend. Um, Dr. J Tita has a book called human 365, I believe, or next level human. Um, he's recently branched in the personal development space. It's a lot like the daily stoic. Um, the daily stoic is by Ryan holiday. Uh, Ryan holiday is a great author, very prolific writer. And he, you know, any of his work would probably be a good option, but there's certainly plenty of business and personal development books. Um, an unconventional one that I kind of like just noting more on moving away from just kind of personal accomplishments and more the impact you're making is called third circle theory. Um, it's something that I don't see recommended a lot. So, you know, move away from kind of common recommendations like the big leap or, um, you know, a lot of people will, will recommend more principle-related books. As far as podcasts, like if you're in the fitness industry and that's what you're immersed in, I would encourage you to listen to things outside of the fitness industry because I think it'll enhance your perspective of not only your life, but also what your clients are going through and their businesses. <laughs> and so whether, you know, that's a podcast about money or whether it's a podcast about um, communication or stories or how someone built a business, any of those things can be really, really helpful because you can learn sort of traits and qualities that help them, um, in route to their success. So I like you listen to Tom Billy's a lot. I listen to Lisa's. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Tom, actually, I, I would say I've listened to it less lately. Um, I've been getting into more. Yeah, well, you're going to get it anyway. The last question is, uh, you guys could just uh, um, shameless plug yourselves real quick. Uh, Where can people find you? Bounce around. Um, I'll go from something that's like thyroid medication um, by some doctor to like going the other end of the spectrum, and it's and take away from you guys like just completely opposite, but just trying to balance it out. So, yeah, I would just encourage people to be a little bit more well-rounded with that, and then. I think you know you had the mindset book. You already talked about my ebook, but that's no account. Yeah, so Sam and actually, Sam and I are actually starting a round of our coaching compass program. So if there are any coaches listening here and are interested in learning more about using um, mindsets, applying physiology, hormone science, um, and psychology to their clients and in their coaching practice, we do have a 12-week mentorship for that. Um, again, it's called the Coaching Compass. Uh, you can reach out to me. I'm at at Coach Casey Joe on Instagram, um, and Sam is at Sam Miller Science. If you're interested and you are a coach, um, I've can pretty much be found on Instagram. That's probably the best way to reach me at this point, as I'm kind of in the midst of getting my website back up and running. Um, but yeah, free Facebook group. Community. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So free community is Nutrition Coaching Collaborative. So that's just for if you're in the health and fitness space, if you're a fitness professional, if you're a nutrition coach. Uh, all you got to do is answer three questions to join just so I know you're not spamming the group. Um, and that's totally free to join and we interact and, you know, we try to support on client cases. I try to post in there almost every day, uh, periodically go live, share 
articles that Casey's written. Casey didn't mention that she's uh, on the scientific review board for I Legion Athletics. <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested in more of the mindset stuff, Casey has sort of this um, vault of articles, if you will, on various things like mindset and grit and habits and uh, procrastination, even on the Legion Athletics website. Uh, where she's able to both write and review articles. Right. So if you're and into writing knows where to find content me. that's uh, different than a podcast, on that would be a great place to find her. We've done everything you need to know about my life. My podcast, which is just similar science on, on iTunes, so, Spotify, I want to say thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, uh, and if you're more interested really in this physiology it. stuff and the P3 uh, model, like I said, definitely been a while, but it was awesome to be able to get both of you guys on the same episode. A lot of those uh, I things I try trains. to rotate through the in links one hour, in my bio so you so guys can get great. the various resources uh, thank you again um, and for free on. guides and things that and, I yeah. put up there at any given so. time. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to episode 17 of the Ace of Spado podcast. yeah thanks so much for having us this was fun awesome man